Damsels in Dialogue, a podcast dedicated to the female protagonists in fiction, film, and the stage. Co-hosted by Katie Zutter and India Marie Paul. For our fourth season, we take a deep dive into the leading ladies of the Golden Age musicals and discuss just how well these Hollywood and Broadway characters have aged. This episode, we take a transatlantic cruise filled with rich men, Olympians, and two women who discover diamonds are a girl's best friend. Join us as we find out if gentlemen prefer blondes. Welcome, everyone, as we go into a fun Hollywood adventure and Broadway adventure, because I honestly didn't know it was a Broadway musical before it was no. a Hollywood movie. It, I mean, it was made so famous by Marilyn Monroe. Yep. And Jane Russell. Like, how? Like, what a duo. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was so iconic. So, like, how? I don't know. Like, oh, I know. <laughs> well, that's what, like, I had no, well, this is probably the musical in our list I knew the least about. I remember liking okay. the movie. So, I, I mean, was I really agree. Ex- Same with me. I'm surprised <laughs> by you not knowing it. <laughs> I like, I knew I liked it. And I, yeah. And I had seen it before. And I knew we were trying to do find a musical that um, we hadn't known that much about, but was still part of the golden age. So, I was really excited to do Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. Also, because it has a very enticing name that I could probably I might hate this musical or not so I was yeah. also excited <laughs> controversial name if you will yeah, yes that's a better better word it's, it's, <laughs> it could be really offensive someone's like maybe that's why it didn't doesn't have many revivals I think there might be a couple of reasons but we will get there so uh, I was even more excited when I started diving into the origins of this Broadway show Hollywood movie because it was originally a novel by a woman named Anita Luce that was published in 1925. So this was a, a flappers era novel. It's the same year, post the same year as Great Gatsby. So this is that's that's where we're at. We're in the nice. Scott Fitz, uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald era of America, um, and it was titled "Gentlemen Prefer Blondes: colon, The Intimate Diary of a Professional Lady." Mm-hmm. So in 1912, Anita Luce became the first female staff screenwriter in Hollywood because she was put so on payroll. Cool. Like, this is 1912. I was like, okay, this is a suffragette movement. That's before women could vote. And she was on payroll at Triangle Film Corporation. And I'll probably go mm-hmm. a little bit more into like her in the after hours because it's oh, not yeah, exactly I'd about love her. To hear about it. She's really cool. I'm like, okay. But she uh, she is best known for the comic novel of Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. And she also did the 1951 Broadway adaptation book of Gigi. Nice. So, she's, so like she was, uh, she was very much involved in the Broadway musical, but not the Hollywood movie adaptation. In the, um, we like Paris. Does she have a thing for Paris? I maybe maybe they're like oh you've done <laughs> Paris before here go right. <laughs> it's like her know what you're known for, but the uh, she's very open about the inspiration. She actually writes a biography of the story in the beginning of her novel, so you can Heck read through yeah. like why she wrote it, <laughs> which is really fun um, to get her take on it rather than nice. a whole bunch of opinions. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. it started out as sketches at uh, in a Harper's Bazaar magazine. And how it even got there was uh, she was working as a screenwriter and she was about, I think, 40. She was like in her 30s or 40s when this yeah, was written, yeah. too. And she was inspired because she was, she writes, I was allowed to lug heavy suitcases from their racks while men sat about and failed to note my efforts. And then she saw a young 14-year-old blonde 
uh, happened to drop the novel she was reading and several men jumped up to retrieve it. Mm -hmm. And she noted that like she was an attractive woman, like she was an actress at one point as well. Um, But she started to notice the striking contrast between men's behavior to her versus the time the popular blonde look. This is also right. noted in like Chicago where they talk about the 20s when Roxy goes blonde, you know, like is blonde and, and, and has that kind of stuff. That's still a thing that never yes. stopped. Yes. The dumb blonde trope is very much like a thing. Well, um, not the dumb blonde, just just in general, the general bef- gentlemen prefer blonde thing. Yeah. Is uh, and we can talk more about this in after hours because it doesn't have anything <laughs> to do the show. But it is um notoriously a sexist but mainly racist uh mm-hmm. phrasing yeah um so just want to throw that out there but we will discuss now after yep. hours well, i can't wait I, it is i think she knows the noticed that which oh, i think sure, is important sure. and she no, also that's still a thing that's, oh yeah that's yeah it's yeah it's, it's definitely just, like relevant yeah, to it's like not a good whole, thing no it's, it's not a good thing it but it's a, a thing. relevant thing and so she was drafting a story after having an incident with uh, a friend, Henry Mencken, um, who was having like v- being really, really flirty with a blonde actress. And she wrote a skit poking fun at his romance. And she had no no thought of it being printed. I was only trying to make Henry laugh, making fun of yeah. him f- being stupid around right, a pretty girl. Right. And then he ended up reading it. And loving it, finding it hilarious about himself, and then forwarded it to Henry Sell, who was the editor of the Harper's Bazaar. And then the story, like, exploded in there. And it was very – she made fun. Why why is she so cool? I have a lot of feelings, which I'm, like, trying to, like, form in my head. (laughs) She – was really cool in the sense that she was very upset with the censorship that began to happen in Hollywood in the 30s. Mm-hmm. Right. So and all that feelings were coming out in this book, too, because it's pokes fun at sex. It mm-hmm. the 20s were very much the flapper era was about the sexual freedom yep. that women were trying to get after finally getting the right to vote as well. Mm-hmm. And she was very much the product of that. And so she made fun and satirized women doing like having sexual exploits and it being fine and she put all that in the uh harper's bazaar comics that and some of the original illustrations are in the books you can buy which is really fun but some people were a little worried about the risque nature of these little satirical comics uh and thought that harper's bazaar was the right place for them because it could be like hidden with the ads like that's not yeah (laughs) people aren't gonna mind but it exploded and eventually she got asked if she wanted to run like a little a book published like more like to give it to her family and friends and stuff than anything else and it sold out the day it arrived in bookstores nice (laughs) so they had to do a second running of it but it was yeah it was this this skit and she created this character of Lorelai Lee that was a mm-hmm. flapper that was hyper intelligent. She made fun of a lot of political things with her by making her a dumb blonde, quote unquote, who just said things that were very sharp and witty, got what she wanted because men were stupid because of her looks. Yeah. So I think it was such an interesting turn on its head of the trope. That it already existed, that Gentlemen Prefer Blondes is, the title itself is loose, making fun Mm -hmm. of men (laughs) because of the trope of the blonde woman. Mm -hmm. So uh, in that way, like the title is the perfect satirization (laughs) of (laughs) what she's doing, even if it is a more controversial idea, because the satire is a hard thing. That's Satire is a hard balance of joke versus like serious 
material. The response to it, the literary critics, some thought it was going to be the most enduring, like F, uh, I think it was F. Scott Fitzgerald, James Joyce, William Faulkner, H.G. Wells, like loved it. Like they they thought Great. it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I think Ed, Edith Wharton, I think is a famous critic. I got to look her up. Hailed it as the greatest American novel. Amazing. <laughs> like it was just and it was like I listening to to most of it, like it's written as a diary of Lorelai yep. Lee talking about what's happening to her and like the men that come and the the gifts that she gets. And it's just so dripping with sarcasm. And a lot of the some of the stuff goes over my head because it's a satire of very specific events and people mm-hmm. that aren't popular knowledge so like some of it i read about oh this is satirical of this i'm like i would never have known that but it was very much of its time making fun of very pop (laughs) culture yes very pop culture yeah so she created this wonderful character she went on to make there was a stage adaptation in 1926 Mm -hmm. and it ran for 201 performances it wasn't like a huge success but they did had that the script has been lost there also apparently was a film version that is yes. now lost. Yep, that um, was because that was like done before like the book really came out. It was in 1928, mm-hmm. so it was like right a couple years after that first release because they started filming it before, which yeah. is wild. Like yeah. I looked at when I saw that, I was so confused because I'm like Marilyn Monroe, and I no different movie, different movie. Different yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, and that's we'll talk a little bit more in the after hours about the Hayes Code that she was mm. she was a part of Hollywood in the pre-coded Hollywood from ni- 1929 to 1934 is like known as the pre-code Hollywood. So this is after Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, but I, I want to talk about it in the after hours. So I'm going to yeah. note that. Because there's an entire, like, what happened to women and the taking away agency from women in Hollywood, Mm -hmm. um, which would have been the same time that the movie, like, the movie would have been affected by it and the musical would have been affected by it, but not the original story itself. But she she has a very cynical (laughs) view of the world, which just comes out. Who she? The writer or the... Anita Luce. Yeah, Lorelai. Lorelai is the epitome of wise but not intelligent because she there's there's those little comments of like common knowledge she just doesn't have but like (laughs) she get like her ability to move up in the world in the way that she believes she would like is is so good and uh there was a really good use of gentlemen for prefer blondes as an example of women's sexuality and like uh written in like the 70s there's an article and it says that the emancipated woman of the 20s with either a suffragette or a flapper depending on what she wanted and how she chose to get it for the anita loose flapper who wanted social and sexual rather than political and intellectual power this was the gold-plated philosophy as long as she played dumb she could stay in her pedestal (laughs) so there it's that like how do you get what you want in the situation yeah. that you're in, in the oppressive nature that was women's lives and is women's lives. Right. So it's a it's you can like it or hate it. Like that's like <laughs> this, you, can, you can love or hate Lorelai Lee, which I think is valid on both yeah, sides yeah. of it. But I, I wasn't a big fan of in the novel, Lorelai Lee ends up with Henry in Philadelphia. Okay. Oh, and interesting. Rather than Dorothy. So there are things that were taken from the novel into the Broadway that then was transferred into the movie. It actually yeah. evolved and changed in each iteration, which I thought was really interesting rather than like sticking to one thing, which makes sense because it was a comic strip turned into like vignetted arc mm-hmm. of a story and then had to become its own fully fledged story. And that original author wrote this as well? 
So she, yes, she, she wrote the stage adaptation and then she was a part of the book writing of the musical. So the musical Gentlemen Refer Blondes opened in December of 1949 Mm -hmm. and it ran for 740 performances. So well done. Uh, It opened in the West End in 1962. There was a Broadway revival in 95 with the Encore series that likes to Mm -hmm. remount more unknown shows. Yeah. There were two Broadway producers who wanted the musical version of Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, and they brought in Joseph Fields as a co-author. Hmm. So Anita Luce was a book writer with him. You had uh, Jewel Stein and Lee Robin as the music yep. and lyric team um, who did Wonderful Town, ta- uh, who did Gypsy. Um, mm-hmm. I think Jewel Stein did Gypsy. Did they do Wonderful Town? I don't know. They, they were like around they're not yes they're not they would never got I as famous those names, i'm like i know them yeah it's like <laughs> i know the names they're not as famous as roger hammerstein all that but loose threatened to quit the production unless a surge she would never have to speak to fields again during this process amazing and i could i tried so hard to find out why like why no like, that's all i got was she hated him i'm trying to think of like what he possibly could have done and maybe maybe he thinking about the Broadway show, the men in it, what what I actually prefer, this is jumping mm-hmm. a little bit ahead, but I prefer no, the fine. movie to the musical for a couple different reasons. Yeah. But I think the biggest reason There's a lot of articles on that, to be honest. When I was like looking yeah. up stuff about, there's a ton of articles about the musical and how feminist the movie musical is. Mm-hmm. And little to no articles about the the play musical. It was hard. It, it so, was hard but to anyway, find continue. You're no, like totally was, just validating your no. point more. Yes, it was, <laughs> but it was really hard. It was really hard to find things on the Broadway musical um, yeah. other than the fact that it was Carol Channing's breakout role. Right. Right. Like she she had done a couple of things, but this was like her breakout role. And then she went to go on and do Hello, Dolly. Mm-hmm. Classic Carol Channing, which is so funny to think of Carol Channing as Lorelai Lee and then Marilyn Monroe. Like how different. Yeah. <laughs> can that take different human beings can be on her. Um, and I've seen a couple of videos of Carol Channing singing it and she's fabulous. Yeah. Like, but, but, they, for the, but you prefer yes, the movie. I prefer the yeah. movie. And the biggest reason is that the movie takes away the leading man. There is that's isn't, how it should be. That's, that's how, and, I, and I, I'm like, I'm completely conjecturing. I'm hitting things now. I'm completely <laughs> conjecturing on this point, but I have to believe that part of why Anita Luce was mad at Justin Fields is maybe he pushed the men more in it. I mean, I that don't know. Not wrong. <laughs> it's it sounds like it could be in my what? hypothetical. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it's just like uh, like the Taming of the Shrew versus Kiss Me Kate, and you mm-hmm. like Kiss Me Kate so much better mm-hmm. because the women are in control, yeah, as opposed to the men. And in this, it's the same way. It's it's less gross. It's less. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's 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 more. Um, feminist this way it when is. they're in the lead and they're they are the ones with the agency yeah you know and it, it just felt like it was still the Lorelai Lee she wrote but it was less focused on the friendship in the Broadway musical and there was so, like there is some songs I'm like okay like why are we singing about chili and yeah tingling and like, <laughs> like there's some things where I'm like and the men in it in the Broadway musical were very like masculine, like the mm-hmm. idea of like they almost come to fisticuffs at one point. And I'm yeah. like, 
that's not even close. Like I, I was exposed to the Hollywood movie first, and I went, "What is this crap? Like that's not what the men are like, like at all." Right. It's it's almost like one was written for the male gaze mm-hmm. and another was written for the female gaze. Well, and that's what makes me so disappointed <laughs> that Anita Luce was not part of the Hollywood. She was still alive. Like right. she just wasn't oh, part of sure. it. And she was actually very happy with the choice to cast Marilyn Monroe in it, which I thought was sweet Good too. Good for her, yeah. Um, but yeah, she had, during rehearsals, apparently her and Joseph F- Field sat on opposite sides of the theater <laughs> and the director had to move back and forth between them. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, and then he had to the return of the petty yeah. guys return yeah. of the petty so no longer love drama <laughs> and i wish i had i wish i had the t of y i just wish <laughs> and i don't and i'm sorry i tried <laughs> um but there was carol channing like they, they they looked for a lot of like through a lot of different people they wanted a big star for lorelei lee carol channing mm-hmm. wasn't really a big star at this point but her auditions and her interpretation of it they just kept circling back to her audition that's cool. Like for the months that they were looking. And so like they had like they pretty much felt like they had to go with her. It was her mm-hmm. her comedic genius and her wit and her uniqueness because she has yeah. like one of the most unique voices. Oh, for sure. Out there, which when I think of the dumb blonde trope that Lorelai Lee is satirizing, I don't think of a husky deep no. voice. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> but she like despite all that, like they they felt they had to cast her. So right. Her take on it must have been this iconic version of Lorelai Lee. And you can see her. She performs the crap out of it when you see a couple of clips of her doing it in the black, nice yeah. black and white YouTube clips. Um, <laughs> but I feel like I couldn't find things about how she made the role her own, but she definitely did. Like she was constantly praised mm-hmm. for it. Like the show was a hit. It was it didn't win like a whole bunch of awards or things, but it was very much a fun evening right. at the theater. They're very showgirly, yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, so it got Which great also reviews. makes sense why the movie mm-hmm. just popped off. Yeah. And and why we know the movie more than the musical. If the musical was just like, which we've talked about this. I feel like this era of musicals mm-hmm. is so much. You are just going to the theater for fun. You know, yes. you, you like. It's an escape. It's right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you're doing. So I wonder if just that little bit of time difference. Mm-hmm. And adding the Marilyn Monroe star power mm-hmm. in rewriting uh, just a touch, you know, in the movie is is truly what made all the difference and made it succeed. Because like without that movie, would this musical hat would it have been redone? I don't think w- it would have. Like I, I mean, you and I are musical theater people, and we didn't even know it existed. Yeah, I was like, oh god, <laughs> it's, it's a musical. I was like, yeah, oh great, yeah. And I and I read it, and I was just, I was a little disappointed. Because I love the movie so much, I'm like, wow, yeah. the the friendship is just less. Like, there's just they just spend less time together. There's so mm-hmm. much music in it, and it feels forced. But they, it's a bummer that they don't like mm-hmm. again. Again, the plot of the movie is they both like are dealing with men the whole time. Yeah. Like that's that's the whole point. Yeah. But it is a bummer that it doesn't pass the Bechdel test. That was that was time, sad. Because anytime they're talking, it's about men, and I do get yeah. it because. That's the focus That's of the story. The point. Yeah, but like, yeah, yeah. It's like it's, it's. It was a little bit of a bummer. Yeah, I'm like, I, I looked. I'm like, wow, it doesn't pass it. But no. they have so many scenes together. Yeah, they talk a lot. They talk a lot <laughs> together. I mean, and there's some iconic moments, like reading through oh, the Broadway yeah. script, like Dorothy enters on a luggage cart pushed by four Olympic boys. Like, <laughs> what an entrance, you Great. know? And and Dorothy get so much more space in the movie version because in the play version it's very much like Lorelai picks a guy for her and then 
she ends up falling in love with him. You know, like, the, like right. there's not a lot of scenes with them together. They're not even, like, duets hardly with them together, I think, at all. Um, I can even the little girl from girl from little rock is hilarious but oh, it's it's a solo like yep. it's it's the they're oh his, my gosh i didn't think about that yeah like there there's not really a duet with them hmm. which was just there's a random like gloria ballerina like person like there's just a lot of external that's wild I didn't, how did my brain and i put that <laughs> together because they spend so much time together on stage yeah. And not, not even like together, like, like, yes, in group scenes, but together, like alone. And they never compared to other musicals that we talked about. Like they spend a decent amount of time alone. They do. And it that's and why I like don't the, have. Wow. Yeah. How do I feel about that. I feel weird about it. <laughs> like that's, yeah. That's, a, just, that's like a missed opportunity. It really is. And it there's a whole like they I think it is a little bit closer to using some stuff that was in the book itself which is also probably why I oh. think as it grew, yeah. it got better because they used what worked in the novel and then made their own story pretty much. Yeah. Um, still based on like the transatlantic cruise was part of the Lorelai novel and her with Gus, the button king, like air, like that was all so part of ridiculous. it. Oh my God. Like in the zip, in the musical, the whole like zipper button rivalry is hilarious. Just insane. Like, and all I could think of is because of course you have to like think of Marilyn Monroe while you're doing this. Yes. All I could think of was that damn dress mm-hmm. that had to be sewn onto her. Yep. There's nothing to do with this musical or anything. Yep. yep. But there's no closures because it had to be sewn onto her. And then Kim Kardashian didn't wrecking it. That's all I could think of. Yeah. During, <laughs> yep. <laughs> Such a random side tangent. So sorry, that should have been for after hours yep. bonus after hours yep. content in totally the episode. Totally welcome. fine. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, and then we I have a whole thing about like Marilyn. I will only touch on because there's also more stuff for that. Um, oh, for sure, I'm sure. But Lore, sure. like, but Lorelai in what I didn't like about the musical was that Lorelai, one Lorelai and Dorothy weren't nearly as like friend oriented. It wasn't about that. It was really like more like situational comedy. Like they were friends, but it wasn't. And even in the novel, like Dorothy was a friend, but in the movie, there's so much defending of each other. Yeah, right. They're close. They're super close. They're not just set there to be a chaperone. Yeah, exactly. And this one, it feels like she is a friend, but she's not like, they don't have those moments of defending each other or anything in the musical. And Lorelai, Lorelai feels more like a manipulator in the musical, which could be good or bad, depending on what, you want out of Lorelai. Right. Because she thinks that Gus is going to break up with her anyway because of her past. So she goes and tries to find other people. And in the movie, she has no, like, she's like, Gus loves me. I'm fine. Yeah. Like, she's not worried yeah. about herself. But in the musical, right. she's actively, like, looking for rich huh. people, you know, which plays more that into, kinda, like, yeah, uh, that, like, undermines. Yeah. I mean, granted, that's more of the time period. Yeah. You know, is like getting the leg up in the world and the only way to do it is find something wealthy. But like, yeah, it makes sense that even with just that little tidbit that the um, movie would be is is already more <laughs> feminist. Yeah, it on is. Just that stance, stance. It is. And that's like the the core of the the satire and stuff I love. But it's those little things like in in the Broadway musical Lorelei gets Sir Francis Beekman to come over because she's going to borrow money from him to buy the tiara right um from lady beekman which is like a whole thing and and she dresses in negligee because you have to have an awkward subplot with like robbers and robbers cops something yes anyway exactly anyway Anyway, what are you saying (laughs) but but she it says that she dresses in negligee when he comes over to like oh yeah before they do the down to chili 
song but like in the in the hollywood version she on like she isn't all she wants is the diamond tiara it's not about him it's not about like overly seducing him as much as being like i you know i just think i really want that i really want it (laughs) you know you're so you're so great you know it'd be even greater if i had a tiara like yeah yeah like it's not she's not like it i don't know it feels less scummy because it's not i'm using Mm -hmm. sex appeal yeah to do it it's more which is you know Get your man, girl. Well, that, but that's, like, it's yeah, it's more cleverly manipulative and mm-hmm. more empowering mm-hmm. because she doesn't have to do that. Yeah, to get them to listen to her. Yeah, and it actually makes the men look more. Oh, it makes them stupid oh, for sure, <laughs> like, for sure, because they're getting everything they want if if they walk in and see her negligee. Exactly. Like that's it. Just I think that's it, just what they want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think that part of it feels better in the in the Hollywood movie. So like. I would still recommend like getting to know it because it's it is a an uh, relatively unknown musical. Yeah, um, for sure. But I think that if they would truly revive it, it would need to be leaning harder towards what they did in the Hollywood version I of it. I feel like they'd have to, even regardless of like just yeah. the political stuff, with how big th- it was. Marilyn yeah. Monroe made it. I yeah. feel like you and have Jane to Russell more match. Yeah. Oh yeah, but but she's the one who Marilyn's yeah. the one who did it. Like Jane yeah. Russell is a big actress, but yeah. like you can't compete with Marilyn Monroe. Well, like, you know well, that's what's funny is now you can't. Well, that's but, what but, I mean. Yeah, that's what, yeah. That's, it's that, it's now that's what's that's what everybody knows. Yeah. Who can't if they see that pink dress? Oh with yeah. the bow and the pearls. Yep. They nobody could tell you even where that's from, but yep. they know Marilyn Monroe sang it. Yep. You know. So yep. yes, at the time they were both big, but Jane Russell did not. No, she wasn't an icon. She's not the reason. She's not the reason people know it. Yeah. Well, and that's what's so funny. What's so funny is I dug into the history of the musical. Like that's a Broadway. We're gonna move to the Hollywood version. Yes. Um. So it was produced in 1953, uh, directed by Howard Hawks, and adapted by Charles Lederer. So Anita Luce, not involved in the rewriting of it, approved Marilyn's Monroe. Like no one asked her for approval, but she's like, that's inspired. That's That's awesome, though. Yeah, I thought that was That's really, awesome really cool. That's awesome for her to, to take a step out. Because clearly there was no bad blood. Yeah. Like there was... Like, if, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, and that's what, great. What I loved about learning about what behind the scenes of the movie is that Jane Russell and Marilyn Monroe got along great. That's awesome. There was no, like, no, no controversy. Like, she, like... That's so nice. Because she so has nice. such <laughs> shitty sets to work on. Like, yeah. Marilyn has. I don't know yes. about Jane. But, like... So for them to truly enjoy each other's company, I mean, I guess I shouldn't be surprised about that because you can see mm-hmm. the like friend chemistry, yeah, in you, the film. You really can't, and I was just my heart just went, oh, thank goodness, <laughs> there's no, <laughs> yes! there's no drama. It was just that they were nice, and and Jane Russell was the star of this. Like yeah. she has top billing. She was the more mm-hmm. famous actress at this time. Marilyn Monroe had it was getting it started, right? But she was still like she was paid like I think it was fifteen hundred a week or like so, some mm-hmm. some like she low wasn't the number. Icon yet? No, she she is. Yeah, now <laughs> and that's and this movie helped transition her career because what it did is she they were trying her at a lot more serious stuff and it just wasn't clicking. 
Right. And then they debated whether or not they were even going to let her like do this movie because she was it was the under contract yeah, aspect yeah. of Hollywood at that point. And Marilyn finally was allowed to be funny. And that's where she made that's her right, bank. Yeah. Like she she goes on like right after this is How How to Marry a Millionaire, which is essentially a very similar character <laughs> as this, which is why I also love that movie <laughs> as well. Um, but they let her be funny and it it clicked. And so mm-hmm. this was a huge turning point and to the point where the actual the in a story conference for the film, Daryl F. Zanuck, which I think was a producer and director Howard Hawk suggested to Zanuck that the studio should change Marilyn's look for the movie and her screen persona a bit. So instead of just being the bombshell, they wanted mm-hmm. her to have a little more sophistication. So like her clothes in it are very simple and clean and cover mm-hmm. up a lot more than like in previous movies. So like right. they wanted her to have a different Look, so I think that there was a quote from Jane Russell's biography or one one of the producer's biographies or something that yeah. in, in Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, the keynote of Marilyn's costumes would be simplicity. Her dresses would be flashy enough, but only in terms of color and sparkle. Otherwise, the emphasis was on strong, simple, clean lines. And Hawks also ordered a total makeover. Marilyn sat patiently as various makeups were tried on her, her hair set and colored until the director pronounced every element exactly right. There's a lot of things that are wrong with this. (laughs) There's a lot of things that are wrong with this image I've just put where like she is treated as a doll and they are giving her a look. But at that point, studios owned their actresses. Right. Which is why now we have a union. <laughs> um, so what what the shift did for Marilyn was change her trajectory to become the big icon that she was. Mm-hmm. Rather than just making her a bombshell, they made her an, a leading lady, essentially. Right. Um, so as gross as that, the idea of what they were doing <laughs> right. was, the shift is evident in I, this movie. I do like the idea, though, of especially if you're trying to not build necessarily a person, although people do do that still today mm-hmm. um, with marketing yourselves, mm-hmm. but building a character mm-hmm. and taking this person who you're trying to make work in this role mm-hmm. and putting them in different costumes and different designs to see what lays right. That yeah. I kind of I kind of like that because yeah. you can tell from um, – there was a recent movie that we will not mention because I hate it um, and nobody should watch it, um, but about uh, Marilyn Monroe. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> and I saw a clip side by side of Diamonds Are Girl's Best Friend. Mm-hmm. And I had not noticed until you said that the new movie that mm-hmm. came out, mm-hmm. actress is just fine, but the dress is form fitted. Like the color matches. It's still yeah. the same. Like there's a big bow. There's still pearls. But it is form fitted to every curve. Now, Marilyn, and you can see this because she moves a lot during yes. this number. This yes. is not just like a, 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 a park and bark. Like, she, yep. like she's yep. being Everywhere. lifted by men. She's yep. walking. She's doing stuff in this dress that I can't imagine yep. her walking abilities are very good. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's definitely like a statement piece, not a yep. <laughs> moving around thing. But yeah. you can see in the bodice when she moves that it because I mean she was she was gifted. She's very she was a very curvy lady, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and she looks so elegant, and sophisticated. And when she bends a little bit, you see the fabric that I would assume, like mm-hmm. you said, is giving those clean lines. Yeah, is making her form a little more 
elegant as opposed to traditional sexy. And for yep. this role, I think that's brilliant because yep. once again, it's not using straight yep. up here I'm a negligee. It's yeah. I am outwitting you. Yeah. Using using yeah. my prettiness. That, you know, so yeah. I think that's so clever. And that's something that really hit the mark. And I love that. Yeah. You said that because it's true. It's she looks yeah. almost like a different human being. She looks <laughs> like, stunning in, like, in those stuff yeah. versus the and don't get me wrong. She's great in those form fitting things as well. But yeah. it's truly like this is the character and not yeah. Marilyn Monroe, which I think is so cool. That's so, so cool. Thank you so much for bringing that up. Yeah. And that's what I think the, the epitome of what we're we're saying here is that like men, men are stupid because of her hair color. Not because of her <laughs> boobs, like and that's yes. and that's the yes. that's the joke. That's the joke yes. that Luce was making. Yes, <laughs> this entire time. Yeah. So I think, and that's why it does it so well in the movie. Oh yeah. my gosh! Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And that's it's such a it was a cool thing to discover. And there's even more drama about the pink dress that we will. I that's more of an after hours wait. thing. There's can't more wait. even more of a story, but it is iconic. Like Diamonds Are a Girl's yeah, Best Friend yeah. is iconic. And the, I really think they lifted they lifted three songs from the movie. There's only five songs in the entire musical movie. Yeah, there's not many. There's not many. And it partially was because Russell and Monroe were not singers and dancers. Right. They were not known for that. Like Jane Russell, star actress, but not like musicals. Like no. that's not what she was really like, about. Marilyn Monroe can sing. Oh, yeah, She's she not does. a bad singer. But but, the, but that's not like her, her bread and butter. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I, and she actually, uh, Marilyn. I don't know if this is true because I've read that mm. like this line. I've read that she suggested this line, and I've also read that she wasn't a huge fan of the line. So I don't know oh. which one it is, but it's the "I can be smart when it's important, but most men don't like it" line Ooh. in the movie. And I have written down that she suggested it, but I vaguely remember like that line being controversial. Whether or not it's because she thought so or other people thinks it huh. controversial. Because I think it's very interesting. I can be smart yeah. when it's important, but most men don't like it is a huge yeah. kick <laughs> at guys yes. not liking smart women. Yes. Uh, so I enjoy that. Um, <laughs> but So going back to Jane and yes. Marilyn. Because I know and their that, friendship. And their friendship. Because I think like it influenced the characters, which is why I yeah, want to harp absolutely. on it. And the fact that there's like friendship behind the scenes makes me so happy. No, that's... Well, it's kind of like last time we were talking about like the all of the real married couples who were involved yeah, in the marriage. Yeah. Like, I don't know that. How does that not it has filter to into the it. art that you're doing? You know, and the joy that they are to watch in the movie because mm -hmm. this was a point of time when Marilyn began having paraly paralyzing anxiety and insecurity, and she would arrive an hour before Russell, but then be late to set because of like it be back at panicking <laughs> yeah like yeah exactly so she was having those issues and russell found out and made it a point to go and like help her get from her dressing room to the set oh, that's so nice of her that she she called monroe blondie as a nickname on set mm -hmm. um she was often the only one who could coax monroe out of her trailer for the day's filming wow so she was someone who like saw that and instead of being mad about it like saw right. like understood we'll understood yeah. how hard it was and there were gossip columnists who like tried to make they tried very hard to like have a feud gossip about them on set and they were not able to <laughs> because they it was so untrue in her autobiography jane russell credited their fast friendship with their shared zodiac sign which is a gemini Ooh, we love that <laughs> um, girls ahead of their time <laughs> yes yes 
And Russell uh, recalled that um, she was married to uh, an athlete at the time. And Monroe, who was dating Joe DiMaggio, um, Mm -hmm. asked Monroe asked uh, Russell what it was like to be married to an athlete. And Russell told Monroe that other than the fact that athletes tend to spend a lot of time with other athletes, it was great. So, like, they were talking about these, like, marriage and relationships on set. There's great photos of them in their little rock outfits like sitting on the stage Aww. smiling with each other like while they're not filming and like so this is just so wholesome to like just see yeah. two two famous actresses enjoying working together yeah um, especially if at the time they were so different yes as as far as like their social status you yes. know it's not like potentially this may have been the first time they met yeah if they- she if Jane was so massive and Monroe was given this scrap of a chance, yeah, you know, like that's yeah. really, really cool. Yeah. And they, because they weren't dancers, they had Jack Cole, who was famous for teaching non-dancing stars how to, to look like they can dance. An icon. <laughs> so well done, Jack Cole. Who's Hard a, job. Someone's got to right, do it. <laughs> right. His, uh, his assistant was Gwen Verdon who reportedly really helped really? Russell and Marilyn on their walk and their dance. And Marilyn would practice her numbers with Jane Russell and the choreographer and then drove herself to exhaustion like hours after Russell would be done because she wanted to get it perfect. So like she worked yeah. her butt off during this. She didn't want to go home. She wanted to make sure it was right. She asked for more takes when she didn't think she got it. Like yeah. you can see like that anxiety coming up. But you can you and- can tell Asking for more takes at yeah. that time period was a huge deal. Yeah. Because it was yeah. physical roles and that is not cheap. It is not cheap to like yep. just retake it as many times as possible. Like now it's digital, it's easy peasy. But that at the time, wow. Yep. Good for her. Yep. <laughs> yep. Well have an agency, ask for another take. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> it's, I love that. So it's like her work ethic was around. Like Jane Russell saw that. Like Jane Russell liked the choreographer enough that she Jane Russell actually produced a I haven't seen it yet uh, or read the novel, but the there's a sequel to Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, which is But Gentlemen Mary Brunettes is Luce's sequel. <laughs> oh, fun. <laughs> but that was really cool. Um and Jane yeah. Russell ended up hiring that choreographer for when she produced that m- movie. Which I think is based more on Dorothy. So, like, that's she takes that one. But it was a very successful film at the time. What I think worked and why I think the movie was so successful, too, is that they they tailored the story to Jane Russell and Marilyn Monroe and their strengths. They took away the leading man. Like, there's guys in it, but they are not. They're not (laughs) the same people that are in the musical. (laughs) No, they're not. (laughs) They're just not. And they completely reimagined the character of Henry Spofford, um, who is the original love interest of Dorothy that. Lorelai picks out in the musical yep. and they made him an eight-year-old boy <laughs> which is he's the he's so funny in the movie oh. like it's just so like they made her love interest not a rich man too which plays into yeah. Dorothy's not wanting a rich right. guy so I thought that was so cool that the actresses really influence those two now iconic characters in this version right. of the story that. yeah I thought that's really, really cool. And uh, the screen adaptation was done by Charles Lederer, who was inspired for Lorelai Lee by um, his aunt, who was the silent screen superstar Marion Davies. So also he was influenced by Marilyn Monroe, but also by the mannerisms of his aunt, which I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Who was, you know, in her own right. Yeah. She's a silent screen star. Like that's that's not that long ago for them. For us, it was like a thousand years ago. For them. Yeah. Like that's 
That's so interesting. Yeah. She would have to have very strong mannerisms to get it across yes. the stage because there are no yeah. birds. So yes. how fun. It's fun. And they brought it to the modern time. Like they brought mm-hmm. it to 53 rather than putting it in the flapper era, which I also think made it yes. very successful. Yes. I don't, and it was ahead of its time, too, because it, mm-hmm. it was doing things that were very of the times of the next like women's rights mm-hmm. movement mm-hmm. but they were like a couple years early yeah it's which was really cool it was directed by a guy it was written by a guy it it surrounded these they it shined on these two starlets and somehow in that they made a very feminist movie they really did <laughs> i was really like i remember i i was like oh let's try this one for the podcast i like the movie and then i rewatched mm-hmm. it i went oh i really like this movie <laughs> like oh okay i remembered correctly good um, thank goodness <laughs> right cool could have been bad you never know you never know yeah you're truly they kept three songs they kept bye bye baby diamonds are a girl's best friend and mm-hmm. uh, a a little girl from Little Rock in the movie. Yes. They added two numbers written by a different team, Ain't There Anyone Here for Love, which is very close to one of the songs Dorothy has in the musical. It's just a, flavored a little bit differently. And When Love Goes Wrong. So there's only five numbers, which I think is all it needed because of what it gave the writing is so many one-liners for Jane Russell mm-hmm. and so much moments for both of them to talk. Like they, So we can move into like the movie itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like how, how did, like what were your, have you ever watched it before or what was your no, reaction I had, to things? I had not watched it before. Um, I will say mm-hmm. something about it that I, I would argue it's not a movie musical. That's fair. instead a movie with music. And yep. I think that's another reason that it has done so well. Yes. <laughs> um, because like not as many people relate to people bursting mm-hmm. out into songs yes. like we do yep. so yep. i think and, and having one of the numbers be like a very obvious showgirl number like this, this is yeah. not a like like diamonds are girl's best friend is not like her inner monologue like that is yeah, she is performing because that's her job like that's and like, so it's like little rock girl like yes. that, that's yeah like those yeah, are like they're very it, this like show within show kind of concept yeah yep. so i think that's another reason that it did do so well mm-hmm. but no i i definitely thought it was very fun a little silly i obviously there was still some stuff that as i found with some some of these plays not all of them but Mm -hmm. occasionally they'll like reference stuff kind of like we talked about this where i'm like is that supposed to be is it funny i don't know now like not mad about it just like clearly as all media and art forms will have like a strong title like pop culture and i feel like there was everyone's childhood like say stuff and I'm like what but I'm glad to know that they were friends because like I guess like I said I shouldn't be surprised because their chemistry was great they both of them clearly were more fun yep than anyone else in the film yep yep well not that the film was bad it was good it's just they were clearly the the stars they were and I what I loved about this musical and the story and the movie specifically digs most at it is the friendship like they but they are two opposite people like their views on what romance should be are completely polar opposite and i love that because they're still best like to the point where they're so like best friends to the point where dorothy like straight up says you don't get to say bad things about lorelei only i do like that like very like they defend each other there's no cattiness there's no jealousy there's no like fighting they are always a team right 
And that, I don't know. That's, that's so important. That's, that's, it's great. Like, cause we, well, you, you mentioned at the beginning mm-hmm. of this, I'm trying to get my thoughts right. Yeah. Um, you mentioned <laughs> at the beginning of this, I, uh, season mm-hmm. this was the rise of the, like the female duet which like a bummer this doesn't have yep. but i would argue this is the right ri- the rise of just like two women main characters yeah. like because so many of the shows that we've talked about yeah even from the start white christmas it's two sisters you know there's there's some misinformations crisscross lines but they're mm-hmm. defending each other yeah you have this two friends yeah defending each other Kiss Me Kate didn't have that as much because it's just the two women, but they were friends, but they weren't, it wasn't about their They friendship. were like, and My Fair Lady was one um, of the few that was solo based. Yeah. Very few that was yeah. solo. <laughs> but we have like a couple women to talk about in a, or in more in every yes, single in every, thing. every one. So I, yeah. that is, that's really cool to have. Yeah, it that, is. Especially of the era. You know, yeah. we keep talking about how some of these characters age really well for the era. Mm-hmm. Now they might not be great, but like, yeah, I, really I don't know if like that made sense. That it did. Ramble, it did. But like, like, I, I, I think it's really great to see female I like friendship. It. Like I wish there was more female friendship on stage. And I, I think this, I think it is a huge step because they defend each other. There's no, the miscommunication is never with each other. And as soon as, as soon what hit me was like with Dorothy, she was falling in love with, What's his face? And I forget what his name is in the movie because they're different names. Um, oh, yeah. The private investigator. And then as yes. soon as she sees him take a photo that could be incriminating of her friend, she goes, dead Bye. to me. Dead to me. Goodbye. <laughs> like, I love that so See you later. Much. <laughs> there wasn't enough like, oh, you were doing your job. Like, it was very much no. like goes into the room, kicks Piggy out and goes, what were you doing? This is what happened. Mm-hmm. We got to get him. We can't let him know we're on to us. Like, like they, they scheme. I love that. <laughs> like it's so, it's so great. And I have to say, the the Olympians half naked was oh. four women in Yo, this time. A thousand percent. Like yeah. the, the men are more scantily clothed in this movie. Well, that's why because I, of that like, scene. The movie seems a little more tailored to women. Yeah. Like more of the female gaze mm-hmm. than than the musical. Yeah, it's yeah, that whole sure. number. That whole number. I went. <laughs> Good for you, Hollywood. Right. Like that's <laughs> we finally have a showboy number. Like the, a showboy <laughs> number. <laughs> like, granted, it's like athletes, you know, so it's a little more like acceptable masculinity. But right. like, but still, they're, they're, I think it's a sh- it's a, show, a showboy number now. Oh, tiny shorts and like exercising the entire number showboy number <laughs> good I for you jane russell <laughs> like, well done. Uh, and i love that dorothy is like i love that lorelei is is the practical one of the group and she's played as the like practical in the sense of like money is important like oh for like, sure, I, lo- for sure. I love those opposing like that they, they tell each other they're both trying to help each other thinking that they what their view is better but they're never actively like working against each other like no Lorelai's trying to set up Dorothy with someone who's rich and (laughs) Dorothy's trying to protect because Dorothy tries to get Piggy away from Lorelai when she finds out he owns a diamond mine she's like you can't talk to my friend and then Lorelai shows up and finds out he owns a diamond mine but like that she's (laughs) she's actively trying to like make sure her friend isn't distracted by diamonds Right. And that flaw is hilarious. Like when they <laughs> when they put in the diamond Ugh. picture over Piggy's head 
my god. I was like, wow, this is campy. And I this love is, it. We love camp. We love yeah. a good camp. It's just because she's I, she uh, she talks about actually like Lorelai likes Gus. She likes the way he is to her after the fact that he was rich. She does like him yeah. as a person. Right. So like it's this whole conversation of like, is there a right and wrong for a romance? Like the whole speech at the end to the dad that how is what I'm doing wrong? Like, why can't I say I'm marrying for money? Mm. So I, I think it's an interesting, like, I, I love reading romance novels. I love a good, like, we have no money, but we're in love, like, situation. Yeah. But I think it's really interesting to tell that side of the reality of things, which is people don't like to hear that, which is why Lorelai Lee in mm-hmm. general was scandalous. Right. Because we're talking about money and girls wanting it. <laughs> In a way that is makes us go, oh, I guess, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, oh, they have fully fledged thoughts and ideas. Yep. Wow. Yeah. What They're a, also human beings. What a concept. I love it. Well, I mean, it's kind of like, and I know this was after, but mm-hmm. it's the same thing with the Bianca character of last week's episode. Yeah. She also did the yeah. same thing yeah. with her sexuality and was confident. It was like, this is it. I'm not, I'm not asking for anything. Like, I'm telling you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, lo- think- I love the agency that women have on their own sexuality yeah in in these past couple yeah ones that we've talked about oh yeah and Dor- dorothy like does what she wants with who she wants and is mm-hmm. and is that's just what it is like there's yes. no there's no judgment yep. on it it's just enjoyment of that idea i think it i think there's so many versions of what an independent woman can be and you see two very different yes. versions in this movie and musical, which I love. I love that when Gus comes crawling back, Lorelai's like, you're dead to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I love, like, there's there's so much, like, power that women have over men in this, which is satirical in some sense, but, like, it's just honest. Like, Dorothy has power over men because she's fun and she, like, has a wonderful personality and is beautiful. Right. And Lorelai has power over men because she doesn't take their crap either <laughs> like she she says exactly what she wants it's i mean she flat out says i everything i wrote this down when she's talking to piggy sh- she's like it's only fair i have her tiara she has you yep like sounds about right. purely sounds about like right. manipulative like great but just flat out was like i want that i want yeah, your wife's I'm precious tiara <laughs> going to have that thank you and doesn't want to give it you. back because it no. was a gift <laughs> Wow. And watching Jane Russell do a Marilyn Monroe impression was stunning. Things we never knew we needed. (laughs) Yeah, like her going to her friend's defense, like she could end up in jail and then like love winning out in that moment because she like, hey, (laughs) I I would never forgive you if you did this to my friend. Accurate. We got the classic double marriage ending, you know. Mm-hmm. We got to go. It, the The human candelabras were weird. Yes. And Diamond, our girl's best friend. That was weird to me. That was the one part of the I movie mean, I went. Hmm. I don't know. That whole the whole scene is very showy and campy. So I like, yeah. that didn't bother me as much. It was I wasn't offended by it. I just went, <laughs> I guess we're doing that. Like, I guess we're just having <laughs> women just hold on to the fire. Casual. Yep. There's a moment. That Lorelai looks at Dorothy and says, why did you just stand there and let him kiss you? Like that they're also like calling each other on like mm-hmm. when they're not in control. Like, yeah. I don't know. There's a, I don't know. There's something about that friendship and the defense of each other and the scheming together and the just unbridled loyalty to each other that it's just 
fascinating to me that I, I love and why I, I would like to see a play with music version <laughs> of <laughs> this Jane Russell Merriman Monroe because it's just so witty yeah. and so fun. So it sounds like this show, the original mm-hmm. um, source material, groundbreaking, hysterical, mm-hmm. I'm sure in comic form, like you said, would age a little better. Yep. Musical. Okay. Yeah. But the movie. Yep. Aged phenomenally. It's a one of those rare strong moments. two strong women. Yeah. Like it's one of those rare moments where like it got better, I feel, as it aged. Mm-hmm. As far as like its progression. Like I yes. feel like yes. the best version of Dorothy Shaw and Lorelai Lee exist in the movie. Mm-hmm. Which I hate to say because Anita Luce is the creator, but like, but her her galvanizing the satire of a blonde flapper mm-hmm. is revolution was revolutionary at the time yeah. and the fact that it was taken and grew and got better and better as it aged i think is really interesting because so many times i'm like man the original was so much like more fun or so much more feminist or so much like it right i think it kept the essence i don't think it i don't think it created a different version of laurel Lee. i just think it no it focused on the more interesting parts of it in the movie, I think. I like it. I yeah. like two strong, yeah, independent women. You love, I don't know, that's also a big trope that's really popular right now, mm-hmm. especially in romance, is like kind of the the soft butterfly flower mm-hmm. yep. character and then like the prickly badass. And I yep. feel like now that's an extreme take yep. of <laughs> what these two characters are. But, They're not you know, quite that far. But... As friends, mm-hmm. it's, it's giving me those vibes. Well, yeah, and like and the <laughs> the one the sassy one liner is that Jane Russell has as Dorothy Shaw, mm-hmm. like we're built for her and yeah. are amazing. And then Lorelai is much softer in how she gets what she wants. So it's too mm-hmm. it's I love the opposing ideas of how to get it, which goes back to like the suffragette versus the flapper. You know, like in right. the one of the things I had mentioned earlier, like it's that how do we get what we want is different. But I think it's a really interesting, and they got to be fun characters to play. They just have oh, like for sure they have to be for fun to sure. play. So, and I like that in the movie they made them. They've always been folly girls. That's how they met, and that that continued through the whole original yeah. to this. But in the movie, they you you see them sing "Little Girl from Our uh, a Girl from Little Rock" together. So like that was their routine, and then it, it gets brought back that they're penniless in France, and now they're gonna have get money by going on like which is not part of the original broadway musical at all so like i love that that bookends that and that they have the means to when they don't have rich men to still make money (laughs) like (laughs) like that i think that's kind of cool um that they were working girls who met and have had a bond yeah for so long so i thought that was really cool too but i have nice i do have a fun fact Ooh, give us a closing fun I fact. I have a closing fun fact that I made sure I saved because I really, <laughs> really liked it. In the song, Ain't There Anyone Here for Love? We okay. have the Olympians, Half Naked, Jane Russell, yes. all around. So Jane Russell's fall into the pool at the end was an accident. Oh, what? And if you look closely, she definitely is not expecting to get clocked in the head and knocked into the pool by someone who missed the jump. <laughs> Oh my gosh! But I she did kept, not look close enough. Get it, girl. But she kept going, and they pulled her out of the pool, and she finished the number, drenched and smiling. <laughs> and they redid it. But then the director went, "We're going to keep that." 
Yeah. Oh, my God. So, I mean, one, for a famous superstar to be knocked into a pool by who who knows extra dancer. Right. And then to continue the number and be pulled Jeez. out. Jeez. Is soaking like, wet soaking like, wet that'd be so uncomfortable especially in the like the period clothes yeah like the fact that she one didn't say stop or two like kept yeah. her smile on her face the entire rest of that number Bless. was like <laughs> a like, saint like she must have had a great sense of humor like to it ended up like that and then she gets like brought up like it's just knowing that just rewatch that number because it's hilarious to think about i like, have to now complete accident so ah. Uh, that was fun. That's Love. my fun fact. <laughs> cool. Thanks yeah. for joining us today on this yeah. episode of Dems and Dialogue. So do gentlemen really prefer blondes? And are diamonds really a girl's best friend? Let us know below. Thank you so yeah. much for coming. <laughs> See you guys later. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Damsels in Dialogue. Tune in next week as we go to the hills and try to solve a problem like Maria in Roger Hammerstein's classic, Sound of Music. If you enjoyed what you heard today, you can help us reach even more listeners by subscribing to the podcast and leaving a rating or comment on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you're listening. If you want to join us for even more discussions and opinions about Gentlemen Prefer Blondes or any of our episodes, head over to our Patreon. There you can support the podcast and unlock an entire library of exclusive after-hour video podcasts with a new one arriving each month. You can also unlock research notes, bloopers, and more. Follow us on social media and at our website on damselsanddialogue.podbean.com. Until next time, this has been Damsels and Dialogue. Have a nice day. This podcast episode is sponsored by Royal Princess Parties, LLC, and is produced by Hello Out There Audio, part of Hello Out There Productions. 